0: committed to providing the tools, trainings, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org.
2: From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Parker J. Palmer, founder and senior partner emeritus the Center for Courage and Renewal, and a world-renowned writer, speaker, and activist who focuses on issues in education, community, leadership, spirituality, and social change. He's reached millions of people worldwide through his many books, including Let Your Life Speak, The Courage to Teach, A Hidden Wholeness, and Healing the Heart of Democracy. An excerpt from his newest book, On the Brink of Everything, Grace, Gravity, and Getting Old, Appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Parker Palmer, welcome to Essential Conversations.
1: Thank you, Rami, Delighted to be here.
2: Well, I am honored to have you here. Knowing we were going to have this conversation, you know, as I was preparing, I did my best to try and forget whom I'm talking to. <laughs> I, I didn't. I just want to talk to Parker J. Palmer. It was like an institution, so I didn't think we could have a conversation. So I guess. Okay, I'm not going to talk to Parker J. Palmer. I'm just going to talk to some guy who wrote a very moving and compelling book called On the Brink of Everything, Grace, Gravity, and Getting Old. So it's just Parker Palmer avoiding the institution by removing the J. That's what I decided to do. I
1: like that a lot. That sounds just right, Ronnie.
2: So I tell you, Parker, as an old guy on the brink, tell us about the brink.
1: Well, you know, the brink uh, as a word has a variety of meanings. Um, for me, in the book, it's uh, a place of great perspective. Uh, as I say early on in the book, it's a place where I can look back, I can look around me, I can look ahead, and um, put put the connect the dots, put the picture together in a in a new and I think more life giving way. Uh, I can look back and see how everything belongs. How um, I've kind of woven a tapestry out of many threads. Some of the threads that I put in that tapestry at the time, I I wished I could withdraw. Uh, but these days I see them and uh, those dark threads, I guess you might call them, and see that they're part of the resilience of the fabric of my life. I can look around with great appreciation for the courage people show simply to get up in the morning and to carry on with life in a, in a challenging and difficult world and, and, to be want, and, and to want to be part of that world myself as long as I'm physically and mentally able. And I, I can look ahead with a real sense of mystery and a, and a sense of gratitude for all that life has been, is, and, and, and will be. Um, and while these are feelings that haven't been totally absent from my life in years past, I think uh, as I approach age 80, they're present with much more intensity and clarity um, and groundedness than perhaps they've been before.
2: So let me, let me ask you, and you can pass on this question if you want, but can you share any of the threads you, w- you wish you could withdraw?
1: Well, um, you know, I've, uh, as I've written and spoken about, uh, I've had three deep dives into clinical depression. Uh, months and months, uh, each time, twice in my 40s and once in my 60s, of wondering each day whether this would be the day uh, to end it all, because death seemed preferable to life. As as those who've been in clinical depression know, it's a it's a living hell. Uh, it's not just a feeling of sadness, but it's the terrifying knowledge that you can feel nothing at all it's a kind of annihilation of of self and i think some of that was genetic and biochemical but some of it was also circumstantial it's it's very difficult sometimes to uh, sort uh, sort out the causal factors you know i've taken risks with my career very big risks i haven't had so much a, 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 as of a career as a game of hopscotch i think jumping from one thing to the next, and often having difficulty discerning the pattern or the meaning of what I felt called to, I I often couldn't explain myself. All I could say was, I don't know why I'm doing this. I just know I can't not do it, Um, which I now tell young people is the most compelling sign I know of, of a real vocation. So and there have been difficulty and there's been difficulty in relationships. There's been failures on the job. All of these kinds of things are examples, I think, of threads that at the time I, I thought, "Gosh, I wish I didn't have that in my life." But looking back, um, I I see how everything belongs.
2: Yeah. So that's that's where I was hoping this would go. So where everything belongs, without in any way romanticizing depression. Is there a sense, or, or do you have a sense when you're looking back from almost 80 years old, when you're looking back, could you see these as dark nights of the soul ending of one chapter before the turning of a page of another chapter? So there's this a, a spiritual element, and not just biochemical, even circumstantial, psychological, but a, a spiritual element to those moments of, of extreme depression?
1: Yeah, I, I, I see that as one dimension. I, I never want to talk about depression in a way that would discourage anyone from taking the kinds of medications needed to treat depressions that are strictly biochemical or the result of one's inherited DNA. And we know that such depressions right. exist and that people need to be on medication for the rest of their lives. And there should be no no shame in that at all. That's not a weakness. That's like having a broken bone that you're taking care of but in my case there, there there it was indeed a dark night of the soul and I I learned things about endurance um, and and it, what's interesting uh, an image that finally came to me that I found more helpful than some others I used to think about depression as being lost in the in the dark but in truth in, in its depths depression, isn't being lost in the dark, because if you're you're lost in the dark, there's still a distinction between yourself and the darkness. You can still say, I'm lost somewhere, let me feel around and see if I can find a way out. It's more like having become the dark, so that you and the dark are the same thing, and you can't get distance, you can't get perspective, you can't get leverage. And at that time, a kind of uh, primitive endurance kicks in. I've said in writing that this is when I just began to discover what the word soul meant to me, at least. And soul, for me, is like that wild animal way in the dark thickets of the woods, um, where, uh, which is very tough and very resilient. It knows how to survive in places where there's very little to eat. Um, you know, there's, there's, there are threats all around, um, and uh, daily living is just tough, but it, it makes its way through. And to know that I have that quality in me um, is a reassuring thing when I'm facing normal life challenges that, that seem daunting. You know, when I'm up in front of 5,000 physicians talking about the importance of love in medicine, and I know that two-thirds of them don't want to hear about that. I, I, I know I, I can carry through uh, with, with strength because of this, this piece uh, this, this wild animal in my soul, this kind of primitive urge to life that wants to deliver a life-giving message, in this case, uh, about love. I'll just say one more thing about that. I, I've, I've written this, and when I wrote it, I wondered how it would be received. Um, People walk around saying, I don't understand why so-and-so committed suicide. Well, I understand. uh, They needed the rest. Um, Depression is an absolutely exhausting experience. What I don't understand, and if you want a real mystery uh, around depression, this is it. uh, I don't understand why some people not only survive but thrive on the other side of depression. Um, the only thing I know is that you put one foot in front of the other and there's some kind of grace involved in coming through um, that's as much a matter of good luck as anything else. um and And so, in that sense, depression was a school of the spirit in which I learned something about uh, a soul that's not easily visible in day-to-day life,
2: so you're yeah, so when you're talking about why some people, thrive on the other side. You're referring to yourself, I guess, included in that group that you- Yeah, were. I
1: am. I, I, I feel very much alive. Um, I uh, was fortunate after each of those depressions and going through a period of recovery, which involved medication for maybe six to 12 months in order to stabilize my emotional life, and then therapy uh, to talk things out with a trusted and skilled person. Uh, I I was able to rejoin the life stream, and I think to contribute to it more fully than I could have otherwise, partly because um, the the, the fear in me uh, was reduced by having survived one of the most fearsome experiences I, I, I can think of, and again, it's that reassuring knowledge of that, I think the Hasides call it the the spark of the divine in every in every being. Mm. That um, helped me not only make my way through that dark night of the soul, but a spark that stayed alive in in the light of day when I was back fully fully functioning.
2: You know that that seems to speak to us a, a part of the book early on in the book. There is this phrase you use, fierce with reality. Just really knocked me over when I read it. If if you've got the copy of the book, a copy of the book in front of you, turn to page fifteen, and if you could just read to us, not too long a piece, I think, but the last two paragraphs, and then the first whole paragraph on the following page, and then let's unpack that.
1: Thank you. I'll be glad to do that. Um, and as you'll see, I stole that that phrase from a, a fine writer whose name I'm about to uh, enunciate. Looking back, I'm awed by the way that embracing everything, from what I got right to what I got wrong, invites the grace of wholeness. When psychologist Florida Scott Maxwell was 85, she wrote, quote, you need only claim the events of your life to make yourself yours. When you truly possess all you have been and done, you are fierce with reality, end of quote. Fierce with reality is how I feel when I'm able to say, I am that to which I gave short shrift and that to which I attended. I am my descents into darkness and my rising again into the light, my betrayals and my fidelities, my failures and my successes. I am my ignorance and my insight, my doubts and my convictions, my fears and my hopes. Wholeness does not mean perfection. It means embracing brokenness as an integral part of life. I'm grateful for this truth as age leads me to look back on the zigzagging up and down path I've hacked out during my far from perfect life.
0: Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly,
2: I mean, I read it and I was very moved. I'm listening to you read it, and I'm I'm even more taken by by this concept. I think a lot of us, I mean, even if if this is really what the Greek says, and I, I think it's debatable, but you know, when Jesus says, "Be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect," my sense of it, and I'm asking you what you you think, is that we're not talking about perfection as opposed to imperfection; we're talking about wholeness, as which is a a unitary notion, as opposed to imperfection versus perfection, he's calling us to a, a wholeness, not a not a one sided perfection.
1: I, I I think that's absolutely right. Um, I, I think in fact in American culture generally, and especially in some of the uh, religious uh, dimensions of American culture. We get hung up on perfection as if, you know, making mistakes, screwing up, failing, falling down. All of those things are are taboo um, and and signs of, of failure. You know, the most One of the best books on male depression, for example, has a perfect title. It's called, I Don't Want to Talk About It. And that's the attitude that a lot of men, I think, especially take toward depression. So it's a trap to think of perfect perfection as getting everything right all the time. And, you know, to use a Christian image, we, we crucify ourselves on that on that false cross uh, of of having to get it all right all the time. But the truth is that I, at least, and I think it's true of a lot of people, I learn a lot more from failure than I do from success. Um, when I succeed at something, I... Simply to congratulate myself. I pat myself on the back. I think I've got it all together. Uh, it's when I fail that I stay up until the early hours of the morning, uh, chewing on what went wrong and what I can learn from that about myself and my world. <clears throat> those are the those those are the experiences that make life uh, deeper and and richer uh, for me, at least.
2: Yeah, I I. I... I think there's a sense in, in American culture anyway that we should be happy all the time, that we should be successful all the time. And if we're not, there's something wrong with us or you know, what, however we explain the other side of life. But you know, in the Chinese uh, philosophy of Taoism, they talk about just being open to uh, the 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows of everyday existence. And and that's what I seem to to get from the book that you've you've made peace with these ten thousand joys and ten thousand sorrows, but the book does more than that. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I'm very taken with the Japanese art of uh, kintsugi, where you take broken pieces of pottery and they repair them with lacquers mixed with gold or silver or you know some precious metal. And it allows the cracks to be seen more clearly. But now you see them as these beautiful rivers of of gold, for example, in in the ceramic object. So that the cracks add to the beauty of, of the thing, which seems to me to be part of the Japanese life or the Japanese worldview. I guess you'd say of wabi sabi, where you know wabi means is Japanese for transience, and sabi is for imperfection. That we we embrace the transience of life nothing comes to stay and the imperfection of life it's just this is what makes it beautiful and that's really how i read the book that's what i thought you were you were saying throughout this book uh, in your own way certainly but expressing this wabi-sabi attitude
1: well i thank you i hadn't thought of it in those terms but i'm delighted with with that description of the book because i've always been attracted to um, wabi-sabi and that whole concept of the beauty of imperfection. Um, I remember years ago when I was much enamored of all the spiritual literature about centering, you know, let's get centered, let's get balanced, let's, let's get it right, was the way I was reading it. And then one day it dawned on me that the people I'm most attracted to are people you'd have to call eccentric, which means off-center, you know, wobbling on the wheel, um, and they're interesting people. They they have imbalances in their lives that make them interesting, and I think I find them very reassuring because I have those same eccentricities and imbalances in in my life, and they keep me on on my toes. Um, you know, I I think I, I think if a perfect if a person says to me, "I'm perfect. My life is perfect. My my experience, my journey has been perfect." Uh, without any without any further explanation, um, I, I, I would like to be able to say, "Well, there's one way in which you're not perfect, which is that you're lying to me right
2: now." <laughs> right. Uh, my my guru is the Weeble. I don't know if you remember them. Those little they they have no feet. These little round bottom Fisher Price uh, characters for little kids. And, and their model is Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> okay. I, I like that. So you know, we're just wobbling around, but we somehow come back to center for a moment, and then, then we, we wobble some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I find that image very comforting as I wobble from one, one moment to the next. So we're coming near the end of the show. We've only got a couple of minutes left. If you... Were to try, and this is a dumb question, and I I realize it as it's popping into my head. I realize this is probably silly, but you're looking back, you're on the brink. If there was one word that would articulate what you see behind you, and and one word, maybe the same word, but whatever, one word that would uh, point to what you see in front of you, what would those words be? Hmm.
1: Well, I the two that come quickly to mind, so I'll just share them for whatever they're worth, is that. Looking back, the word is gratitude, and looking forward, the word is generosity. Um, I just feel that uh, I've been given so many gifts in life, including some very challenging and difficult gifts and the capacity to to survive and thrive on the other side. And that that brings a profound sense of gratitude as I connect the dots, put the picture together. And the gift, which I'm so grateful, can be kept alive only by passing it along, which takes me to generosity. So as you know, for example, I have a section of the book where I talk about the importance of intergenerational relationships where the elders share gifts with the young. And that's always a two-way street. It's not just me gifting the young, it's the young gifting me by their willingness to be in dialogue and tell me Help me understand the world that they're seeing um, uh, as, as I'm living in it as well.
2: Yeah, we're, we're actually going to be using your book. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a weekend retreat in December at uh, St. Mary's Retreat Center in Suwannee, Tennessee, on aging and the art of aging well. And, and your book is going to be a central part of it. Because of of guess what you said, to be able to look back with gratitude and then not look ahead with fear or not look ahead with trepidation, but generosity. i don't I don't know if you're familiar with the Japanese practice of Nikon, which is this does it does that ring a bell? It does not so very, very briefly. Nikon is a look at your life from as far back as you can remember. They usually start around the age of four looking at your life with your mother, your life with your father, your life with siblings, and you just go up to whatever now is. And you're looking to see how uh, much you've been gifted and how little you've returned. And the whole idea of the therapy is to stop focusing on your own uh, you know, everyday neuroses and realize that you owe so much to the world that living generously and passing, you know, paying it forward kind of thing is, is the only way to live sanely. Uh, if you're going to,
1: uh, and I think that uh, that insight could transform not only our personal but our political lives. That's no. a subject for another program.
2: Yeah, amen to that. So I I want to end the program with I want to return to this idea of fierce with reality, and the final near the end of the book I'm uh, I'm going to give you the page number one seventy six. Um, I'd like to close. I'm, I don't even want to. I'm not going to ask you about the two closing paragraphs on 176, I'm not going to set them up. I'm, they, they were so powerful for me that I thought this is how we should end the show, just having you read it, and then I'll, you know, thank you for being here, and uh, we'll, we'll close it out. So if you would, last two paragraphs on 176. Glad to do
1: it, and I'll say right now it's been a delight to be with you, Rami.
2: Well, thank you.
1: Once more with feeling. My mantra, wholeness is the goal, but wholeness does not mean perfection. It means embracing brokenness as an integral part of life. The sooner we understand this, the better. It's a truth that can set us free to live well, to love well, and in the end, to die well. I can't think of a sadder way to die than with the knowledge that I never showed up in this world as who I really am. I can't think of a more grace way to die than with the knowledge that I showed up here as my true self, as best I knew how, able to engage life freely and lovingly because I had become fierce with reality.
2: Our guest today was Parker Palmer. You can read an excerpt from his newest book, On the Brink of Everything, Grace, Gravity, and Getting Old, in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. For more information on his work, please visit couragerenewal.org. Parker, thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations.
1: Thank you, Robbie.
2: Support for this show comes from the National Wellness Institute, committed to providing the tools, training, and resources to propel your career in wellness. Become a member today at nationalwellness.org. Before we sign off, let me remind you that this year is the 20th anniversary of Spirituality and Health Magazine. As part of our celebration, I'm leading an interspiritual tour of the Holy Land. This is part tour, part pilgrimage, as we engage in contemplative practices linked to the various sites we will visit, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and Baha'i. For more information, please visit us at spiritualityhealth.com backslash Holy with Rami. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and to download the iTunes app for this podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm
1: an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast healing for your soul, I welcome some amazing guests and
0: introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get
1: your podcasts, so you don't miss an episode.